Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. to see you, Lake Point. Man, happy spring forward day to you. Uh, this morning I woke up and on my Instagram feed, somebody put up, hey, my procrastination has paid off. Today, my clock in my car is accurate again. So some of you, you may have had the same experience this morning, but I'm glad to see you today. Man, if you are at our Richland campus, our White Rock campus, our Firewheel campus, our Forney campus, our Townies campus, right here in Rockwall, or if you're joining us online, I have one thing I wanna ask of you today. I want you to take a walk back in memory lane to when you were a kid and somebody asked you this question, what do you wanna be when you grow up? How did you respond? All right, you've thought about it. Now, tell all your neighbors. At all of our campuses right now, tell your neighbors what you wanted to be. We're finding out some good insider info about each other right now, go ahead. All right, now your neighbors know if you're gonna lie in this next moment or not, all right? Now, by a show of hands, How many of you, you wanted to be some kind of public servant? Maybe that was a policeman or woman, a fireman or woman, a paramedic. Raise a hand up right now. Raise them high. Yeah, me. That's awesome. All right, put your hands down. How many of you, you wanted to be in healthcare? You wanted to be a doctor, a nurse, a veterinarian? Raise a hand right now. We're calling that healthcare. All right, you can put them down. How many of you, you wanted to be a superstar of some kind? A basketball star, a rock star. Maybe you were in the Cher generation or like the Britney Spears generation or maybe the Miley Cyrus generation. Raise your hands up tall. All right, now by a show of hands, how many of you, when you were young, you wanted to be a cynic, you wanted to be jaded and you wanted to keep the world at an arm's distance? Raise a hand. I don't, I see like one hand and we'll talk later, all right? (laughs) Like none of us, right, grew up with this dream to be a cynic one day. None of us grew up with a dream to really have a jaded view of humanity and not really expect anything good to happen. None of us grew up wanting to keep the entire world at arm's distance. Yet for many of us, it's a situation that we found ourselves in. See, we're in the middle of this series called Didn't See It Coming. Challenges that you and I face, yet no one really expects. And the challenge we wanna talk about today is cynicism. The challenge that many of us face, yet we never expected for it to jump up and bite us quite the way that it has. Cynicism. This overall view that when you look out and you, the way you see things, everything is slightly jaded. There's nothing really good out there. There's no hope. Nothing good could possibly happen in a world as broken as ours. And you may be sitting here and you're like, man, I'm not really a cynic. That's not really me. But I want to take a little test to find out if you are a cynic or not. Now, you don't have to put a check mark on your worship guide so your neighbor doesn't have to know if this is you, but put a mental check box if any of these relate to you. That you might be a cynic if you see that person walking into work on Monday morning and they've got a big old grin on their face, they're skipping through the hallways, they're whistling, they are the eternal optimist. 
You might be a cynic if your immediate reaction is, they're covering something up, nobody's that happy. Like, I think they might be a serial killer, right? Like, there ain't no way anybody's that happy. You might be a cynic if that's your approach. You might be a cynic if whenever life is good, things are going well for you, the only thing you focus on is the fact that probably soon life is not gonna be going so good. The bottom will fall out soon. And it's going well right now, but this can't keep up. You might be a cynic if your love language is sarcasm. You know what I mean? Like if you have a PhD in cutting somebody down, you might have earned the badge of cynic. You might be a cynic if anytime someone does something nice for you, you automatically go, man, I wonder what they want out of me. Like I took them to lunch, I wonder if next time I have to buy their lunch, if they bought mine, like we begin to play those games, right? You might be a cynic if you're extremely guarded, if you keep the world at arm's distance, if you only point out the flaws instead of never celebrating the wins. That's the one that I find myself in, y'all. That I love things to be right, I love things to be perfect, and so I take that mentality and I overlay it on my marriage, I overlay it on my professional life, I overlay it on my four-year-old, which by the way, four-year-olds don't always do things perfectly. So I set the standard up for my boy to follow that my God has not even asked of me. This is the way that cynicism begins to shade our view. And I just wonder how many of us, we found ourselves trapped in this cycle that we don't ever see clearly because cynicism has clouded our view. Today, we're gonna dive into the scripture. We're gonna look in the book of Psalms. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up there. We're gonna be in Psalm chapter one today. Now, the book of Psalms is this collection of poetry that was written to inspire worship to God. And I want us to see the lens that the psalmist writes through as he begins to open up what it looks like for our hearts to be ripe to worship Jesus, to worship God, Let's look through the lens of what he says our hearts need to be in a spot to worship well. Psalm chapter one, verse one. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. If we we're gonna put it in modern day language, man, if you want to live a happy life, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't walk and accept the advice of a wicked world. That if you wanna be happy, let's not go that direction. If you wanna be happy, don't stand in the path of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scoffers. When I think about the seat of the scoffer, I think about the seat of the cynic. That it's the person who always has a complaint and never has a solution. I think about, uh, back to my childhood again. You remember those two characters in the Muppets that they always set up in the balcony? Y'all remember them? Their name were Statler and Waldorf. And if you remember, the part of the show that they played was the curtains would close and the camera would pan up and what would happen? They would begin throwing insults. They would begin mocking what just took place. They were never really a part of the real action because they always were just in the background throwing insults and complaining and mocking. They sat in the seat of the scoffer. And where the seat of the scoffer lies is it lies in this thing to where we believe what we're saying may be true like we've bought into it, yet our truth is not creating life. Our truth is only creating death. So we begin to see in verse two where we find the secret to happiness and the secret to life. But the man who is happy, the man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates on it day and night. 
Joyful is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, the scripture says. He spends time in it. He soaks in his time with Jesus. And because of that, verse three happens. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. You see, there's a clear picture painted of the seed of the scoffer and the tree that is soaking up the goodness of the stream. The tree is producing life. Its vegetation is good, its fruit's good, its leaves are not withering, everything it does, it prospers. Yet the seed of the scoffer is only representing death. And the seed of the cynic holds the same to be true, that cynicism does not create life, it only creates death. It creates it in your relationships, it creates it in your marriage, it creates it in the way that you see things. That it's the trick that cynicism plays on us, that what we call truth ends up becoming very jaded truth. But see, what cynicism does is it clouds our view. That that's its nature, is that it clouds the way we see the world around us. You think about it. That we have a specific lens that we look through. All of life, we look through these certain lenses of how we see things. And what cynicism does is it begins to choke and constrict our view to certain elements of life. Elements like your past. That what cynicism wants you to do is to never look forward to the future because you get so trapped in your past. You say, I'll, I'll really never trust people because in my past, I know how people have hurt me. I'm never gonna open my heart up again because in my past, friendships have betrayed me. There may even be some of you seated here today that it was a big step to get into the church because in your past, the church has hurt you. Maybe Christians have hurt you. What cynicism wants to do is it wants to trap you behind the lens of your past so that you can never see hope in your future. And I wanna be real today that there's some of you sitting here today that, man, you have some horrific stories in your past. There are some stories in your past of things that were ungodly acts that were done to you that rightfully so have put up some boundaries around your heart. What I want you to understand is that what cynicism wants to do is to keep you in the pain of your past where I believe in a God who came to give hope that there is healing from your past. That it doesn't change what happened to you, but I believe in a God who sees you, that if you're sitting here hurting today, he knows you, and he's too good of a God to allow your past to be the only identity that you know. He came to give you hope for a future. But some of us, we've been jaded by our past. Some of us, we've been jaded by chaos. You don't have to look very far to find the chaos in this world, do you? Let me tell you some places you're gonna find it really easy. If you are on Facebook, you will find the chaos of this world. If you're on Twitter, you will find the chaos of this world. If you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, you will find the chaos of this world. It's not hard to look through the lens of chaos, is it? But what about when it gets like in our own world? The chaos rings true in those moments when you pick up the pregnancy test every single month only to find that negative line. When that hope for a baby doesn't come true, the chaos of our world becomes the lens that we look through. Chaos becomes true whenever that doctor's diagnosis is not what we expected. And our entire world is flipped upside down, so the only view we have is through the lens of chaos. We can't possibly see the way that God is working in our story 
because cynicism has trapped us in this view. Maybe for some of us, our cynicism has gotten to a point of apathy. That we see the world around and we see the areas that need change, but that's somebody else's problem. Man, I see all the ways that I could step in and help create a solution, but it's not gonna help anyways. That our cynicism has driven us to look through the lens of apathy that we don't even care anymore about the change that could happen. And it gets deeper. That not only does it cause us to be apathetic, but it causes us to have doubt. This isn't just doubt in the world around us. This isn't just doubt in humanity. But this is doubt in our soul. That God could even be who he says he is. This is doubt that God even is all that good. Because if you look around and you see the broken world, man, how could God be a good God? Here's what I want you to know, that this message today is both for those of you who know Jesus and if you sit here disconnected from him. Because what I know is that cynicism causes us to look through a lens that jades everything about the world around us. That it's this trick that cynicism paints a faulty picture. That you think about the lens that you're looking through when you're a cynic. That you're looking through all the reasons that things won't get better and it paints this faulty picture that we believe to be truth. It obstructs our ability to see what God is doing. It obstructs our ability to see how God could ever do anything greater than what you are in in this moment. You know, the, the scary part is that some of us, we wear cynicism kind of as this badge of honor. We go, man, I'm just a truth teller. Somebody's gotta tell exactly how it is around these parts. And we hold it tight, we keep people at distance, and we call that something that we're doing to protect ourselves or what really is that we are trapped in our lens of cynicism. Uh, this past week, I was reading an article about a lady uh, who was not much of a green thumb, but she had this one particular plant that she was doing real well with, she thought. It was a uh, small succulent plant, and so she had watered it just the right amount. For over two years, she had nursed this plant, saw dust accumulate on its leaves, and she took a small cloth and wiped its leaves off. She made sure to rotate it to make sure it got even sun coverage. Like, she babied this thing, and this plant looked good. Now, she got to a spot two years into her relationship with this plant that she saw her need to buy a bigger pot. She says, this thing, you know, has lived in the same pot for two years. It probably needs a new home so it can continue to grow. So she goes to the garden store and she picks up a pot. She comes home and begins to dig up this small succulent. And this is where it got a little bit strange to her. That instead of dirt she was digging in, she realized it was styrofoam. When she began to dig deeper, there was a blob of hot glue that was holding her plastic plant, true story, into that styrofoam. I don't know what happened to the water she had been doing. I don't know where that went across the years. Who really knows, right? But she'd been watering something that was not alive. And for some of you, your view of cynicism, of, well, somebody's just gotta tell the truth, you're watering a plant that will never live. You're pouring something on that is only causing death around you when you claim to be causing life. And here's what I got a theory, y'all that this world does not need more Christians just pointing out the flaws. This world needs more Christians that are screaming about the hope that is found in Jesus, right? Yeah. But like, I have this philosophy that there's some out there who are kind of like Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. You know who I'm talking about? Eeyore, it's the donkey that walks around. The sky's fallen. 
Always knew it would. Like, right? But we've adapted the same mentality with our Christianity, with our faith. The world is broken. I guess God's still good. Right? Like, can we just stop for a moment? That the world does not need more Eeyore Christians. The world needs Christians who are lit up with the hope of who Jesus is. That he is a God who came to set us free. And this isn't just a message like, hey, go be positive. No, positivity wears out. But you know what doesn't run out? The joy that is found in Jesus. That when we are digging, yeah, when we are digging into that well, y'all, that's a well that will never run dry. So what if we began to look through the lens that Jesus did? What would it look like if you and I as followers of Jesus stopped cascading everything through this lens of cynicism? What would it look like if we began to look through the lens of hope? See, what cynicism wants to destroy, hope restores. That hope restores our vision, it restores our view. That it allows us to see things the way that Jesus sees things. You think about how hope changes the way you look into your past. That you see it back there, and you know the way that there was pain, and you know the way that there was hurt, but it doesn't stop you from taking a step forward the way that God has called you to. That it doesn't stop you from getting in new relationships, from jumping into a life group. Well, I had a life group that hurt me before. Well, what hope would say is go try it again. That yes, we are flawed people, but we're a flawed people who are searching for Jesus, so come and join us. That hope says that there is more on the horizon than what's in your past. So man, how do we light up the hope that we find in Jesus? How do we begin to allow hope to restore our view? I think it begins when we find those moments of chaos to begin to find rest. Like how often have you truly rested in Jesus? How do we do that? We do it by digging into his word, y'all. That his word is full of promises that in the face of cynicism, we begin to read the promises that scream back and say, that ain't true. That yes, this world is broken, but we buy into a God who's in the process of redeeming whole creation that we begin to spend time with him. We begin to be like that tree that is soaking up that good, good nourishing water so that it feeds our soul. So we begin to pray, we begin to worship, not just as a weekend experience, but we begin to allow worship to be a part of our everyday experience. Listen, I got a one and a half year old little girl. It does not seem like worship when I am changing that little girl's stinky diaper, y'all. But if I buy into what scripture says, as I serve her, the least of these, which we all are in that category, I'm serving my king. That there are moments of worship that happen each and every day when we begin to look through the lens of hope. So how does that change me? That changes me now when I'm changing my little daughter's diaper. I'm going, God, thank you for this little daughter. Thank you for my little girl, Cora. That kids are a gift from you, Jesus. So thank you for this moment. It changes our view when we begin to look through the lens of hope. When was the last time that you truly rested in Jesus? You think about the man who meditated on his word day and night. What does that look like in your world? Maybe it looks like putting a break on some of the busyness. It's hard to find rest in the busy schedule many of us keep. When was the last time you just took a walk with the Lord and allowed him to speak to your soul? What would it look like if this week you built in some of those rhythms? You know, we begin to find hope not only through rest to combat the chaos, but how do we combat that apathy? What if we relit the wonder 
of who God is? How often have you been in awe of who Jesus is? See, the cynics never wonder because they have it all figured out, but those who wonder are never cynical because they continue to dream of what could be. Uh, I recently, we took our kids to Disneyland. I told you I have a little four-year-old son named Cedar. And it was a great time to take your kids to Disneyland. If you have a four-year-old, go to Disneyland tomorrow because it was awesome. Everywhere we went, Cedar's going, hey, Dad, did you see that? There's Captain Hook. Hey, Dad, did you see that? There's Peter Pan. Like, everywhere we went, it was a hey, Dad moment. But there's one area in particular that if you've ever been to Disneyland, they close their nights down with these enormous night spectacular shows. And there's one of them called World of Color. Now, in World of Color, there are these water jets that shoot up. They've got lights projected through them. They're swirling all around. Mickey Mouse is there. Like, it's a beautiful display. And man, to watch my little four-year-old sit there. And so Cedar was there, and he climbed up on this rail, peeking over it to watch. And man, his eyes just lit up like firecrackers. So I saw this, and I got down on my knees next to him because I wanted to see things the way that he was seeing things. And the whole time he's going, Dad, did you see that? Dad, did you, did you see that? Oh, Dad, that's cool. Dad, did you see that? Look, Mufasa, right? Like, did you see these things, Dad? And it made me pause for a moment, y'all, because I realized how infrequently I've had those, hey, Dad, did you see that moments with my heavenly Father? Like, as believers in Jesus, we should be full of the wonder of who Jesus is and in awe of what he's doing. We should be saying things like, hey, Dad, did you see that? Like, my kids are actually getting along right now. Hey, Dad, did you see that? Hey, hey, Dad, did you see that? There was this couple that I thought they were on the brink of divorce, yet somehow you began working, and now their family is strong again. Hey, Dad, did you see that? Like, some of us this morning, we woke up an hour early, and we could have had a, hey, Dad, did you see that sunrise that I saw for the first time in a long time? Did you see the majesty of the sun cascading across the horizon? Dad, thank you for that. Have you seen that? What would it look like to recapture the wonder of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? To begin to see his thumbprint all over our existence. Far too often we get jaded, we get cynical, and we don't see the wonder of what he's doing. What would it look like this week if you began to peer through the lens of hope when it comes to your wonder. Maybe for some of us, that whole doubt thing is the one that we struggle with. What would it look like to increase trust? I think about what the psalmist wrote. In Psalm chapter one, verse three, he says this, that he will be like a tree that is firmly planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit in its season and at least does not wither and whatever he does, he prospers. You think about what the psalmist is saying there. That the tree's success is solely depending on it trusting the stream to provide the nourishment that it needs. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever planted a tree, but we bought a house that has these immaculate 60-year-old trees. Now, when I go out in my yard every morning, those trees, they don't look like they've grown. In fact, if I go weeks at a time peeking at the trees, I don't see the growth. But then I go back and I look a year later, 10 years later, And we see the enormous amount of vegetation and growth that's happened across those years. And the same is true of trust. That at times, we will look up and go, man, I don't know if it's moving. I don't know if God's actually doing anything. And what I wanna encourage you today is to trust the process. 
that it takes time for a tree to grow. It takes time for the nourishment to fulfill us in a way that begins to allow our eyes to see the way that Jesus is, to have this hope. So if you sit here today, a cynic, and need to increase trust, trust the process of drawing from that living water. The tree grew because it drew from the water. The same will be true of you, that Christ says he is the living water, that no man who drinks from him will thirst again. When was the last time that you drank deeply from what it looks like to love Jesus? You see, we got to begin looking through this lens of hope. You know, there's a reason why. It's because it truly follows the example of Jesus. That Jesus was a master at looking through the lens of hope. If anyone had reason to be a cynic, it was Christ. You think about it. He came down from the perfection of heaven, knowing full well how flawed this world is. Yet he came down and he lived amongst us. And what did he do? He didn't complain at every turn. He provided hope. You think about it. He understood betrayal full well. He had one of his best friends sell him for a few pieces of silver. He understood betrayal. He understood rejection. Where one day they're screaming Messiah and a few days later they're yelling crucify him. Like you don't think Christ understands the world you're living in? He understands it so well. But unlike any of us, Christ was scorned but he never scorned back. He was beaten, but he never slapped back. He was cussed at, but he never yelled back. He forgave, and he provided hope. You think about the story of him on the cross with nails in his hands as the men are sitting beneath his feet, and he doesn't say, look at them, they'll never change. How could they do this? They will never change. They're broken people. Why even bother? What does he say? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, I read a story in scripture about my God who came to provide hope that in the midst of your pain, he hasn't left you absent. No, he's standing right there beside you. That in my Bible, I read stories that say that hope is found in the truth, that although our world is broken, that in this world you will have troubles. Take heart, because Jesus has overcome this world. We have hope that we can consider our trials and our tribulations pure joy, because they're producing a faith in us that is complete. We can have hope that although the sorrows may last for the night, that joy comes in the morning. What I read in the scripture is that if hope has not appeared yet and you know Jesus, just hang tight because hope is on the horizon, y'all. That he is a God who came to give life and he came to give joy and he does that because he loves you. And he looks through the lens of hope into your story. And you may not be able to see it right now, but Jesus can. Jesus sees the way that he's gonna redeem your story if you know him. That that's what he's in the business of doing. It's what he gave his life to do, to provide hope that we could not provide on our own. And that is what makes the good news good that Jesus came to give life to you. So man, if today, if you're stuck in the season of pain, if you're stuck behind the lens of cynicism, what would it look like to begin to walk in the hope that is found in Christ and in Christ alone? If you hear nothing else, hear this. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Will you pray with me today? God, we are so grateful that you're a God who gives hope to the hopeless. You're a God who lets our vision be clear 
and allow us to see things the way that you do, Jesus. As a world that's broken around us, Lord, I pray that we would be the carriers of your hope. As followers of you, I pray you would light something up inside of us today to remove this lens that blocks our ability to see you clearly and see the way you can change things that we would begin as a people to begin looking through the lens of hope. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you for the cross. We praise you for the fact that none of our stories are finished, that you're a God who redeems it all. God, I pray for those that don't know you today, that they would begin something new and today, that a curiosity would have been piqued to find hope in you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your truth. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.